Yeah, we love you dads. We're proud of you. And uh, we just praise God for all the dads here today. Thanks for making hope a part of your morning and a part of your day. Uh, preaching on Father's Day got me thinking this week. This is actually, I think, the first year in all my years of ministry where I've preached on both Mother's Day and Father's Day. So it got me wondering, uh, which, which, uh, who gets the most attention on their special day? Is it the moms or the dads? Oh, you already know. Well, I did some research just to confirm what we all were thinking. Uh, here's a breakdown of spending on Mother's Day versus Father's Day. Number of people who celebrate Mother's Day, 84.5%. Number celebrating Father's Day, 76.1%. So if you ask celebrating Father's Day. Overall spending on Mother's Day, 19.9 billion. Overall spending on Father's Day, 12.5 billion, but let's get even more rubber meets the road. Here we go. Average spending per person in the U.S. for Mother's Day, $162.94. Average spending on Father's Day, $113.80. I don't know what's going on in my house, but I need to go home and get my $113. <laughs> I have not seen that. Uh, people who give a card to mom, 81.3%. People who give a card to dad. 64.1. So the clear winner is the moms. But uh, dads did pull ahead in one category. 43% uh, of dads will get an apparel gift compared to 33% of moms. So dads, enjoy your socks today. Uh, we do want to talk to the dads today and all who would be a dad. And I want to talk about the impact of a father. Now I realize not everyone in the room today would say, I'm a dad, maybe you're a young man and someday, someday you will be a dad, or uh, maybe you're a mom or a parent or a single parent, maybe you're a grandparent and uh, you have just a heart to make a difference in the lives of your grandkids. Our message today truly applies to anyone who has a desire to lead a child into a closer relationship with Jesus. And I know that's a lot of us in this room today. Yet the passage that we've chosen for this morning is going to place a special emphasis upon the dads. And uh, what a difference a dad makes, right? Um, dads, sometimes we don't think we matter that much, but I'm here to tell you today, dads, we matter. And uh, dads really do play a critical role in shaping the lives of their children, whether that's positively or negatively. A dad has a powerful influence in the life of a child. And of course, as dads, you know, I'm the first to admit, we don't always get it right. But with a little encouragement today from God's word, I believe we can be empowered to be a better dad, or a better mom, or a better parent, or grandparent, a better coach, or mentor, or uh, just teacher, whoever you are. Um, so if we want to learn, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. If you join me in Ephesians 6, uh, those of you who were here last week might remember we were just in... Ephesians chapter 5, no, we're not preaching our way through Ephesians, but we were in Ephesians 5 last week where Paul urged us, um, in case you missed it, Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, let your life be full of the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of God. Now, after Ephesians 5.18, Paul is going to transition into addressing wives and husbands children and parents and I mean 
he's addressing the Christian home, right? So you couldn't find a topic that's really more relevant to us today. But I want, you, I want you to realize this morning that Paul hasn't forgotten about the Holy Spirit. And neither have we. In fact, this entire section on Christian relationships in the home, it's actually grammatically dependent upon this command to be filled with the Spirit. But what this tells us is that for us to live out our faith in the home, it's actually going to be a result of the Spirit-filled life. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not just us on our own. But the Holy Spirit truly works inside of us as believers to transform hearts and transform homes. And I, I hope that encourages you this morning that, that this is not just something for us to do, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. So please keep that in mind this morning as we're looking at these instructions for parents and especially fathers. So let's take a look at Ephesians 6. Paul's going to begin here with children. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. It's our scripture reading this morning. Here's what Paul says. Um, Under the heading, this is all grammatically depending on that command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. As Christian parents, we honor, excuse me, as Christian children, we honor our parents. Uh, those who are younger, obey your parents. And the best way to honor our dads, you know, today is an especially a day to honor our dads. So we do that today. Now Paul turns to his instructions for the dads. He encourages them, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Oh, fathers, parents, grandparents, single parents, future parents, the Holy Spirit is inviting us to lead our children into a deeper relationship with the Lord. We get to be a part of that. Um, and today we want to answer that question, what does it look like? What does it look like to, to influence and lead the next generation? But before we dive into that, let's open with a word of prayer. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for fathers. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in our hearts so that we can honor our parents, so that we can love our parents, so that we can be parents um, so hard, so often, Lord, and just things we're going through. And we thank you that you're a God who loves us. Thank you that you see us, that you know all the challenges that we face, and yet you empower us um, to respond in faith and trust in every one of those circumstances. I pray that you would speak to us today as we come to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're looking at what it means to influence the next generation. How do we pass on our faith to our children and our grandchildren? Paul starts here with a negative. And his first point is parents, don't exasperate your children. Now, being a dad or being a parent is not an easy thing to do. I uh, think about many times when I need to get my kids out of the house. And, uh, you know, like, hey, it's time to go get ready. Go brush your teeth, right? Let's get, let's get you ready. Let's get going. And I go to grab my child's hand. Like, hey, we, we got to go. We got to get this done. And, and have you ever seen the kids do that move where they go boneless? It's like all their bones are gone and they turn into a pile of jello on the floor. 
right? It's frustrating. And you're like, I could literally drag you all the way across the floor. And I've, I've thought that in my head, right? I mean, it is a struggle sometimes to be a parent. But sometimes it's an even greater struggle to actually see what our parenting looks like through the eyes of our child. How are we impacting our children? Dr. Henry Cloud calls this a leader's wake. So imagine, if you will, um, that you're um, out on the water, you're in a boat, you're cruising along, having a great time. As you look forward off the bow, the bow is the front, right? Okay, I'm not a, I don't know much about boats. As you look out the front as a parent, you can see where you're going, everything's amazing, everything's awesome. But if you turn around and you look out the back, what do you notice? Your boat is leaving behind a wake. And every parent leaves behind a wake. Our actions and our interactions have a ripple effect in the lives of our children that will affect them the rest of their lives, either positively or negatively. So parents, we always want to be mindful of the wake that we're leaving behind. Do you notice in Ephesians 6, 4, Paul says, parents, fathers, don't exasperate your children. And I, I think that's a great word, exasperate. What does that mean, don't exasperate your children? It, it means don't frustrate, don't provoke to anger, don't enrage your children. And, and you might be looking at that going, well, shouldn't Paul have said that to the kids? Like, hey, kids, obey your parents. And don't make them angry. Like, I would have much more appreciated that from our Apostle Paul this morning. But he doesn't say that to the kids, does he? How come? Because they're the kids. We're the adults. It's on us to be responsible for our own emotional wake. It's on us to be the ones who create the culture in our home. Not our kids, that's on us. And, and who especially owns this? What's the very first word in Ephesians 6.4? Come on, help me out. Fathers. Fathers. Paul points to the fathers. And he doesn't do that by accident. Yeah, moms, we desperately need you. Parenting is a partnership. Some of you in this room, you're, you're a single parent. Or maybe you would consider yourself a spiritually single parent. What's that? You're the, only, <laughs> you're the only parent who has a faith in Jesus Christ. But what Paul here does is, is God actually singles out the dads. And he says, if you are a dad, if you are a Christian father in the home, you have a special responsibility as the leader and the head of the household. You create, Dad, the culture in the home. You set the example in the home. Now, of course, moms shouldn't exasperate their children either, right? But every parent, every grandparent, moms and dads, we want to ask, how are we impacting our children? What wake are we leaving behind in their lives? And may it not be awake of an exasperated child. What does it look like to exasperate our children? Here's some other translations, by the way. Uh, 
one translation says don't provoke your children to anger. Another one says do not stir up anger in your children. So what does that mean for us dads? Don't exasperate your child. Does that mean no more dad jokes? No. Definitely not. Right, we got we to gotta, we gotta put, not going to put my dad jokes in my database. Not going to do it. What does that mean, parents? What, what else triggers anger in our kids when they don't get something they want, right? You ever been to the, we were just, uh, we were just at the store last night. They put all the candy right by the register. Ugh. Oh, I want this. No. Ah. What else makes our kids angry? When you're asking them to do something and they don't feel like doing it, I get off your phone, get off the screen, do your homework, clean your room. I don't want to. What, do we, what does that mean? Don't exasperate your children. Does that mean parents? We just let our kids do whatever they want because, oh, don't want to make them mad. Is that what Paul's saying here? No, not at all. You go back to verse 2 and 3. Children, honor and obey your parents. That's still on the table here. Our children need, they need rules. Rules help us understand. Uh, what, what, uh, what's right and what's wrong, what's okay and what's not okay. And, and as parents, we want to use every positive rule and tool that we can to teach our kids about the blessing of obedience. So we're going to do that. Our kids need that. But I think we also recognize as parents that there are many times as moms and dads in, in reinforcing obedience or requiring obedience where we act in ways towards our children that are harmful or hurtful or sinful or selfish or destructive. And, and, and those offenses, if left unresolved, if they continue over time, can actually create in the heart of a child anger, resentment, and bitterness. That's what Paul's talking about here. What are some ways as parents that we can exasperate our children? And I put together a list, and I'm very, I'm speaking from experience here, okay? So this is, these are all things that we can do to exasperate our children. Disciplining in, in anger. We want to discipline our kids, but not, not out of anger. We just always discipline out of love. Um, harshness. Inconsistent punishments. I'm not sure, like, am I, like, why am I getting punished now and not before? We want to be consistent. Unrealistic expectations, setting this high bar that no one can achieve. Hypocrisy, um, having rules we don't live out ourselves, nagging, overly controlling, hurtful words, failure to listen. We take a moment and hear our child and what they're saying to us. Um, neglect. I, I notice a lot of times with my own kids that, um, sometimes they begin acting out because their love tank is empty. And they need love, they need attention. And one of the best things we can do as parents is to, to take, our, take your son out, take your daughter out. Like, let's get off the phone and just get on the floor and play with our kids. I think it was, uh, it was uh, Dr. McDowell, um, Joshua McDowell, who said, he talked about the importance of rules and relationships. Maybe you've heard this before. He said, uh, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So we want to have both rules and relationships. He said rules 
without relationship leads to rebellion. And over time, our, if we continue that, our, we can exasperate our kids to such a degree, the Bible says they just give up. Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. But what I love about the Bible is it just reminds us uh, that we all sin, we all fail. I don't think there is a perfect parent in the Bible. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's no such thing as a perfect kid. We all sin. God knows that. He knows our sin. And and we can only find our salvation and hope in Jesus Christ. But what do we do as parents when our kids do something wrong? What do we teach them? We say, always go and apologize. Don't we say that to our kids? How about us as parents? When we do something wrong with our own kids, Sometimes the one person who needs to apologize is me, the parent. And when I've gone back to my kids and said, you know what, the way I acted there was wrong, and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's such a powerful moment because it, it, it makes things right. It restores the relationship. It, it renews the connection between me and my child. Repentance restores the standard. So we always want to be doing that with our kids. When we mess up, hey, we're the first to apologize to. Because we're, we're teaching our kids that we all need to confess our sin. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. There's a great scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger um, and so give the devil a foothold. I think a lot of times we think about that in our relationship as husbands and wives. Right? Never let the sun, sun go down on your anger. But that's true for our homes. That's true for our families and our we never want to let the sun go down on our anger in our home because it can give the devil an opportunity um, to, cre- to let that anger turn into bitterness and resentment. And so Paul starts with a negative here. Uh, fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children. And then he encourages us with an even more positive wake that we can leave behind. And that's the second half of the verse where Paul says, to us as parents, bring up your children in the Lord. What a great opportunity. Raise your children in the faith. Teach them about the love of God through faith in Jesus Christ. George Barna is a well-known Christian researcher, and he wrote a book called Revolutionary Parenting. And in this book, George Barna talks about uh, the three most dominant approaches to parenting in the United States in our culture today. And I just want to show you these. These are really interesting. Number one, the first approach Barna calls parenting by default. And Barna describes parenting by by default as the path of least resistance. So uh, as parents, we do whatever feels natural to us as parents. A lot of our parenting decisions are being influenced and shaped by uh, what's common or popular in the culture. And the goal of this approach to parenting is Keep everyone happy. I know I've felt that way before. Um, and this is just called parenting by, the, by default. Uh, we're sort of just doing what feels natural or what kind of we see in culture and those around us. There's a second common approach to parenting. Uh, by the way, parenting by default is the most popular approach in our culture today. But there's another one called trial and error parenting. And Barna talks about this uh, approach to parenting where... We as parents have a desire to improve. We can look around at culture. We see that normal isn't working. Uh, And yet, 
for these parents, there are no absolute guidelines to follow. So Barna says that in this approach, the best that a parent can do, since there are no absolute guidelines, is to experiment with their children, to see what works and what doesn't work, and make improvements. The goal of this view is to be a better parent than most other parents. The third approach Barna calls revolutionary parenting. This is the least common approach. And what this approach does is, is this approach of parenting requires that we, we take the principles of God's word for our homes and our family and our lives at face value. And then we begin to apply those principles faithfully and consistently in our homes and with our children. Revolutionary parenting is based on one's faith in God, and its goal is to make parenting a life priority. As Christian parents, it's really important for us today to define what is our task and what is our purpose. And if you are a Christian parent, if you're a Christian grandparent, God has given you a purpose. And Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, look at this, bring up children in the training and instruction of the Lord. If you're someone involved in the life of a child, here, is, here it is. Here is our purpose. It's not trial and error. God has given us his word, right? He's given us principles as parents and grandparents. It's not parenting by default. Paul tells us to bring up our children in what? In the Lord. Who's he talking about? Bring up our children in the Lord Jesus Right? Our Savior from sin, the world's true Lord. No one is greater than Jesus. No one is higher than Jesus. I love what it says in Colossians 1, that Christ has supremacy in all things. So as parents, we recognize today the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is exalted. He is on the throne. So today we ask ourselves as parents, what is the most important thing that I can pass on to my children? Because if we don't do that deliberately, then we start doing things by default. And we begin saying, you know, most important thing is that my kids play the right sports. The most important thing is that they get the best grades. But is that really the most important thing? If your walk with Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life, then we pass that on to our children first. And that becomes the most important thing. We, we embrace this concept of revolutionary parenting where we begin to pass on our faith to the next generation. And I know for me and my family, the Vincent family, we've just made a commitment to make Jesus Christ the one thing our family's all in for. We're all in for Jesus in the Vincent home. And that affects everything we do. And why do we do that? Because truly nothing matters more to me as a dad than for my children to come to know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. I pray for that every day. I want their, them to come to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, for the hope of eternal life, to see their life changed by Jesus Christ. And not their life only, but the lives of their ch children and on and on to the next generation. And that's my prayer for my kids. That's my prayer for everyone here. So by way of application, how do we bring up children in the Lord? 
Just a few ideas here. Number one starts with me. Starts with me. Starts with who I am. And the biggest thing I'm saying today is that the best way for us to train our children is for us to live it ourselves. How do we, how do we inspire faith in the next generation? we're not growing in our own walk with Jesus. It's like uh, when you're getting on a plane and uh, they say, uh, hey, if you're traveling with children, you know, and the oxygen mask come down, put your own oxygen mask on first, then you can help your kids in the same way. If we're not breathing the right oxygen, we're not going to re really be able to help our children, are we? It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with men who will step up and say, I will be the example of faith in my own home. It's going to start with me. Number two, starts in my home. Starts in my home. Starts with me. Let me hear you say me. Come on. Me. Oh, that was weak. Let me hear you say, starts with me. Starts in my home. Come on. Yes. Arr. Starts in my home. Who's Paul talking to here? Oh, children's ministry. Bring up, train the children in the Lord. Is that what it said? Oh, the youth ministry. Praise Jesus for youth ministry. I have teenagers. I don't know what I'm going to do. Youth ministry. Oh, thank God. They're going to bring up my children in the Lord. Church. Drop them off. Yes. Is that what Paul's saying here? No. It starts with me. It starts in my home. Because no one has more influence in the life of a child than a parent. Not a church, not a school. Parents are primary. And you will have a greater and more <laughs> lasting influence in your child's life than anyone else. I like what Pastor Tony Evans writes in Raising Kingdom Kids. He says the single greatest reason why we're losing our young people today is that the home is no longer the place where faith is transferred. Parents, the primary purpose of the home is the evangelization and discipleship of your children. You cannot outsource this vital component in the rearing of your children. starts in our homes, in our families. And number three, it starts with bringing my children to Jesus. We're bringing our children to faith in Jesus Christ, raising them in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 19, 14. And Jesus said, let the children come to, to me, Jesus said. Let them come to Jesus. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these our great opportunity as parents is to see the salvation of our children. Nothing's better than that. And so how do we do that? Bringing them to Jesus. So let the children come to him. Loves, Jesus loves children. Let them come to me. Yes, we bring our children to church. Here at Hope Community Church, our vision is to partner with parents in the spiritual transformation 
of the next generation. And we couldn't be more excited about tomorrow and the rest of the week. We host a VBS here at Hope Community Church. We're all in at Hope this week for Stellar, for VBS. Can't wait. Kids are going to have so much fun. We're going to do crafts, activities, sports, drama, skits. But best of all, they're going to have an opportunity to come to Jesus and hear the good news about what Jesus has done for them. Parents, what's the good news we want to share with our children? It's the truth that Jesus loves us so much. He came to earth. He showed us how to live. He died on the cross in our place, rose from the dead. Tell my kids, Jesus is alive. He reigns over all things. And we can be forgiven. We can begin a forever friendship with God, not by our good works, not by being a good Christian kid, but by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That is our good news, church family. So this week, let's bring our kids. Register today. Let's, let's grab some friends, some classmates. Who, who can we invite to VBS this week so they can hear about the love of Jesus? And may God work in us to see children and families changed by Jesus Christ. So as we close this morning, happy Father's Day to our dads. We want to lead the charge in inspiring faith in the next generation. How do we do that? As Paul says to all of us, we don't exasperate our children. And when we do, hey, I'm sorry. I messed up. But we're bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And in the great recognition, this is huge, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation that he's given us by going all the way to a cross. Thank you that Jesus loved us and he laid down our life, his life, so that we could have a new life in you. I pray this week for all who are going to serve. Lord, we're going to need your strength. God, guide us and bless us. Lord, for the children who are going to come, I pray that many would put their faith in Jesus Christ. And that many who have put their faith in Jesus Christ would fall greater in love with Jesus. But God, let that start with us. Let it start in our home and in our families. And I pray that we would begin to live out our faith wherever we are, in our homes, in our workplaces, because we truly believe that Jesus is Lord. Nothing matters more than you, God. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You're our sustainer. All things are held together by the word of your power. So today we give you the greatest praise and recognition of your honor and your glory. Help us as parents when we go through difficult things with our children. And I pray that we would show the same love and grace and strength that you've shown us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.